Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Along those lines, I'm really enthused and excited to have someone that's very passionate about health innovation. Andy Shin is on the show today. Andy Shin is the Chief Operating Officer of the AHA Center for Health Innovation at American Hospital Association. He's going to share with you a little bit about his story and what he's focused on. But most importantly, I'm not going to steal his thunder. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Anthony. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for making time to do this and to share what your your passion is and to share your story. And I guess along those lines, not won't put too much pressure on you, but I'd love for you to teleport us back, teleport me back to um, where things started for you, where your your focus and passion for health started. I just love to hear a little bit about those series of events that went on through your life that have led you to become the person you are today. Well, Anthony, I, I really appreciate that question, and it's uh, it's a question that I actually, uh, uh, you know, I often ask others uh, when they're a potential new partner or even um, a business relationship, because I think it often um, provides so much important context for why you do the things you do and uh, what your motivations are, um, and so it's it's a really great uh, question I think to, to to contemplate. But admittedly, I probably don't think about it enough myself and uh and i'm just used to asking others so i'll do my best mm -hmm. um you know I, I i have to start back and uh, and and in full disclosure i'm a recovering lawyer um and i and i often don't talk about that because i i this <laughs> the law at all anymore but you know really for the passions for for health and health care started for me back in in law school and um you know i was a um uh, a, a law student and really was thinking about the the power of um, not at that much so much time health but really what would become to be known as the social determinants of health uh, that that I realized during uh, some clinic and, and this was a social security clinic where we would be helping as law students elderly people mostly some disabled uh, in central New York around uh, issues of, of being able to collect disability payments uh, and in social security and, and possibly paying for uh, things like healthcare costs. And I realized that, you know, healthcare is sort of part of the equation. Income is certainly a really big part of the equation. Um, but, but there's a whole multitude, a, a tapestry of factors that play into how people uh, can either be healthy uh, or be struggling every single day, um, you know, to, to, to achieve well-being. And, uh, and I think that for me, being a, a, a law student and working in that clinic setting and seeing on the ground level how difficult, just something as simple as collecting benefits that you're owed by the government um, was so hard for um, average people on the street um, and in neighborhoods and communities around the country to be able to do. Um, and, and, you know, they needed our help. And so I realized that at that time, there's, there's so much that goes into, um, into uh, what I would learn, later learn, and we all now call a, a healthcare being a complex system. Uh, it's very complicated. And, and really that, um, that experience was where I think I first got that that passion if you will for um for trying to make a change uh, in healthcare policy and, and, and the healthcare system um really after that I, I think that there was a, a, a 
a really important part of my life where uh, I actually got my MPH, um, uh, went to my get my master's in public health in mm-hmm. health policy and uh, had the, the real pleasure of working um, with uh, two, two uh, at least two professors in graduate school that really changed my perspective um, and narrowed and honed, if you will, my focus on a specific part of healthcare. And that was Don Berwick and Lucian Leap. Mm-hmm. who are, uh, as you probably know, just absolute rock stars in the safe, patient safety and quality uh, world. And they're both physicians. And Dr. Don Borowick was a CMS administrator, founder of IHI. Uh, and, and Dr. Lucian Leap was a uh, just the grandfather, if you will, of, of the patient safety movement. And it was in the context of the classroom where I became uh my, the, the veil of ignorance was lifted on on the fact that we were still several years at that point after the crossing the quality chasm into errors human had come out of uh, the Institute of Medicine that we were still uh, in a place where patient safety and quality were uh, were aspirations uh, and and we had a long way to go and so I was really lucky enough um, having been inspired by those two. Uh, uh, pioneers mm-hmm. having a, uh, the ability to go down to DC actually uh, to work as a fellow for the Energy and Commerce Committee. And this was in 2007. And as you probably know, in 2000, uh, at the end of 2007, there was, uh, and, and going into 2008, there was an election um, and President Obama won, which meant we had healthcare reform happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, being on the Energy and Commerce Committee, which was one of the House committees that wrote the healthcare reform bill. Uh, I was really lucky um, to be on the team that drafted the provisions of the Affordable Care Act that related to quality delivery system reform and innovation, all that fun stuff. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. I, I call it everything besides uh, the access and insurance provisions. And um, it was really since that uh, that I had my career sort of laid out for me, if you will, uh, in a hodgepodge of various roles and uh, and startups and um, just being in the right place at the right time uh, around some of the biggest issues that that mattered. I think in the in, um, you know at least in terms of uh, in the past uh, decade or so in healthcare. Um, I'll sort of sort of rounded out. I've been to a bunch of places and, I, and I'm happy to talk about it, but I think yeah. another sort of capstone area that I would, I would, you know, that has really shaped my particular uh, career and passion has been being one of the first employees at uh, what was that uh, then known as the CMS Innovation Center or CMMI. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was uh, the brainchild of um, uh, you know, of, of really a, in a bipartisan way, the brainchild of um, it within uh, the ACA uh, of a way to say, how can we spur innovation and not rely on the same old uh, legislative system, which often is uh, is not fast enough to respond to uh, the changing needs of the field. Uh, and let's give not only some authority to CMS to try out uh, and test new payment and delivery models, but let's also give them some money. And they gave them $10 billion to do it. And so uh, under Don Burwick's leadership at the time as administrator of CMS, and then Rick Gilfillan, uh, Dr. Rick Gilfillan, who was the um, at that time CEO uh, at Geisinger and then uh, then director of the Innovation Center, and and since then has become the CEO of Trinity Health. Um, 
he, he, they built a team uh, with some of the most amazing innovators, uh, clinical leaders, uh, and experts that I've ever had the pleasure to work with. And, and that was um, a really exciting time to do a startup in a, a very large government organization uh, that was focused on a very singular purpose of we can do better and we can do mm -hmm. it faster and we can get that to scale. I love it. I love it. Well, Andy, I just want to say a couple of things. Uh, really appreciate your background, the, the multi different facets of, of, of business, administration, legal um, health that you, 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 you're bringing in, into this uh in your mindset, I think most importantly, and, and, and so I really appreciate the culmination of the different dimensions of skill sets that, that you've assembled across your career, across your, your upbringing, and, and how you're you know, really focused on you know, a specific area right now. Uh, and I guess along those lines, Andy, I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe some of the projects you're working on, some of the innovations you're working on, um, but the underlying uh, fascinations that you're experiencing in health. So like what has you most fascinated in health right now? Maybe that converges with some of the projects and innovations that you're working on right now at the center that you're working on right now. Um, so just love to hear more about the present and you know, how you're, you're, um, you're, you're shaping up some of these projects and programs that you're working on and some of the underlying, you know, themes in health that have your, your, um, your fascination these days. Yeah. There's just, almost too much to talk about sure. right now <laughs> for this episode, but yeah, sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, the AHA is a, uh, 120 year old organization and, mm -hmm. um, they have a really proud legacy and history and provide a tremendous service to the field. And it, 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 it and I'd want to give you that context because think about what it takes for, for that type of organization to look at itself in the mirror, uh, really at the behest of the field, the members, mm -hmm. in late 2017 and say, there's something different going on right now. This is different from uh, the 1960s with Medicare and Medicaid. It's different from the managed care era. It's different from even ACA. There's, there's something going on where the pace of change seems to be uh, almost out of control. And you have these disruptors and new entrants into healthcare that you know by all accounts up till recently were sort of not even uh, a blip on the radar because of whether it be regulatory barriers you know HIPAA and uh, and and privacy laws as well as all the sort of reasons that it's hard to be doing healthcare because it is a very complex system the reimbursements the regulations and, and scope of practice and all that stuff is regulated at the state, local, and federal levels. Um, and then add on top of that the commercial and, and for-profit element to it as well um, and the changing pace of technology. And you're sort of thinking, well, there's really not that's, that's not, there's really not a lot that's going to change. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but the AHA, uh, again, the membership of the AHA, the hospitals and health systems, nearly 5,000 of them sort of felt the change, the change in the, in, in the marketplace, the change from the position, the positioning of the government at the time. And, and sort of, they really said, AHA, we need you as our, as our organization that represents the interests of not just one or a few, but all, all of us mm -hmm. uh, to help support 
innovation and transformation uh, across wherever we may be on that journey uh, in that endeavor and also meet us where we are specifically within the context of the communities we serve. Mm. And, you know, that means from the, the rural uh, parts of this country and Appalachia to the uh, to the inner cities uh, and and really everything in between, uh, as well as large academic medical centers to the to the couple bed critical access hospitals, you know, on the frontier, they're all dealing with different challenges, but all towards the same goal of how do you improve health and well-being uh, in their communities. And so for us as a national organization that is really used to convening, we started have, but really more around policy uh, issues, uh, we had to think about, well, how do we facilitate innovation uh, and transformation? And again, meet the members where they are. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of, of what that's meant for us as we've built out a portfolio of, of initiatives and programs and partnerships and offerings, for the field, it's really been around some of the issues that I'm sure you've talked a lot about on your show, uh, you know, that are, that are sort of the compelling issues of healthcare, right? So mm-hmm. technology is the easy answer today. Um, and that's what's something that's very different. Consumerism is a big buzzword in healthcare right now, but really it just boils down to how do we reduce friction delivering care and, and make it easier to get and stay healthy? Um, And the fun stuff for us is really when you start to work on how do you make interactions with technology compelling Mm -hmm. for the consumer, but also for the user. And in healthcare, the user is often a clinician or provider um, or or even a caregiver, which could be a family caregiver, right, for example. Uh, And so uh, it's a little different from, say, the consumer technology space, where the consumer is generally the user of that technology. And so we think about that issue of usability, uh, human factors, uh, safety, quality, all those things are tied to technology, which are uh, sort of extra layers that the healthcare uh, system will 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 put onto technology, uh, which you don't necessarily see in the consumer space, right? Right. It's an exciting place for us to be. It's really about how do you create, um, uh, you know, it's about adaptability and it's about implementation, about leadership and culture, workforce engagement, which which is another huge issue that we are working on, mm-hmm. and. It's really, uh, um, for us, uh, exciting to get into sort of a couple layers down and sort of get past the buzzwords and all the shiny objects and Mm -hmm. talk about, from a technology standpoint, how do you, whether it's digital transformation or the adoption of new new devices, uh, how do you leverage that to align with clinical goals, Mm -hmm. improved outcomes, and then ultimately improving the health uh, health of the community? Uh, one other thing that I would mention in terms of, uh, of how we're working is, is really to that end, trying to create tools and resources that are specifically from that hospital health system lens. And so we call this broadly our market intelligence work. You know, so much of what's out there is from the perspective of, say, you know, uh, an investor, Wall Street, a policymaker, uh, or, or pretty much anybody besides the, the hospital. Um, and the hospital, which is really an organization of clinicians and, um, and 
than patients, their families, uh, other consumers, uh, and others. So that that organization uh, has special has a, a special lens by which they look at things like technology adoption or telehealth or um, you know new payment models. Uh, and so we try to provide that really unique lens that's specifically for the hospital leader and how to implement, how to engage one's workforce, how to engage the community uh, and consumers in a way that, again, drives, drives better outcomes and quality. So, so, th so that market intelligence work is very important for us as we try to sort of cut through the noise um, because there's so much of it. Another right. thing that we're really investing in is leadership development. Mm. So, um, you know, there is uh, there is a whole generation of people who grew up in a pre-digital age, and, and I'm sort of one of I was at I'm, I'm a sort of a zenial where I'm I was caught between uh, the X and millennials, and so I didn't really grow up with social media, but uh, I was mm. uh, agile enough when it, it when social media became ubiquitous that I that I kind of picked it up. Uh, but I, but it wasn't part of you know what I grew up with. And nowadays, uh, kids uh, you know who are who are two years old are are swiping left and right, and <laughs> they're they're trying to uh, uh, pinch their 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 fingers apart to to zoom in on a, on a paper book because they don't understand why it won't zoom. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and so it's it's a totally different generation. And similarly, consumers uh, are expecting. That their healthcare is uh, is is easier. It's digital. It's um, something that they, they have access to in terms of their own information and data. And so, how do you, as a leader of a healthcare organization like a hospital, really lead in an age where there are different expectations, uh, where you've introduced now uh, not just digital capabilities, but artificial intelligence and machine learning that provides a whole nother level of sophistication, accuracy, and speed and accessibility for patients uh, mm. who are demanding that, le that level of quality. And so it, it really is a whole set of competencies and capabilities uh, that, that are uh, some new, some old, but all of them have been sort of upgraded in the digital age. And very much related to that is change management, which used to be a word you used when you had a maybe an acquisition or you know an M&A of, of a new hospital you would have to go and talk about what do we do around change management we got to change the culture change management is sort of just a way of life today in hospitals right it, it's every day is a, is a new age a new era and uh, the way that you engage the workforce is really changing um, and the EHR has been a huge part of that um, mm. as, uh, as you continue to struggle with the bifurcation of what clinicians went to, went to medical or nursing school for, which is to take care of patients, and then the needs of, um, of the system today, which are to put data into a computer. Those two aren't necessarily synergistic um, you know, in the way that you implement it today. And so how do you as a leader navigate that, that apparent dichotomy? Right. Uh, these are you know issues that we're trying to uh, to tackle via new uh, learning opportunities, partnerships with academic centers and 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 you know the business community through um, a new fellowship program we're calling the Next Generation Fellowship, uh, as well as all our convenings and conferences and other things that we do around education and, and leadership development. So, so that's a whole another you know bucket of work we're doing. Uh, you know, I'll just sort of say the other stuff that we're looking at is, uh, you know, we're uh, interested in engaging with the innovation ecosystem, with risk capital, uh, startup community. We're doing a lot around um, 
partnerships with foundations and community-based organizations and how we get around the whole idea of, uh, you know, hospitals can't do it all themselves. So how do they become uh, sort of convener within their within their communities uh, of others in order to promote and advance health. And so, um, you know, we're doing a lot of work in that area as well. I love it. I love it. No, it's, it's super great. Um, you know, the work that you guys are doing that you're doing and, um, yeah, leadership change, you know, the innovations you guys are bringing in. And I know, um, the American hospital association where you're at, um, you know, you it seems like you're merging these initiatives as well. So there, I know there's the, the, the analytics and product, um, side, the value initiative, the, there's a, there's a big focus on what you're doing on obviously what you're mentioning, the, the research and educational side. And then I know there's the health form that you guys are doing. So you guys are doing so much to really support this new value-based, uh, economy, right. That we're in. And it's super fascinating, I guess, you know, along those, along that thinking, you know, you guys are setting, yourselves up, you know, the, the American Hospital Association, your efforts, your focus as Chief Operating Officer, really setting ourselves up for an interesting future and really supporting and leading a lot of change. Uh, I'd love to hear about the future of health according to Andy. You know, what do you see happening in the future? A lot of these efforts and themes are obviously going to converge and come together and hopefully results in um, better health for, for people, but um, I don't want to put those words in your mouth, but I'd love to hear a little bit of, of you describe what you see happening, you know, in the future. Sure. So uh, I'm actually going to, uh, to pick up on something you just said, uh, which is that uh, you mentioned the value initiative and I'd be remiss to not talk about that because that's a really mm -hmm. important part of what we do around how we establish new or open mindsets uh, around value-based care. And so Part of, the, part of the struggle with moving to value-based care is that it requires a mindset shift. And, uh, you know, it's a whole lot easier said than done. And so we put in tremendous amount of work and resources in the past year around this value initiative, which is a national effort to change the conversation and provide both bright spot case studies as well as forums to have these tough conversations about how do we as a health system really define, recognize, and then move towards value. And mm -hmm. a lot of the innovations that we're talking about, and when you talk about population health, the premise of it is that we uh, can do those things, that we can you know, identify, recognize, and move towards value-based care. And so, you know, the AHA, um, and now the AHA Center for Health Innovation has has made the value initiative uh, one of our most important platforms where we put a lot of effort into engaging um, all sorts of stakeholders. And this just doesn't mean hospitals and health systems. You know, we engage employers and payers and technology companies and, and all sorts of uh, organizations because, uh, the, you know, the, the, the value proposition underlies all um, all the things that we're trying to do in terms of movement, and so and so, I just don't want to le let you uh, leave that without uh, without acknowledging it. And so, so thank you for that. So I'll say this: that in terms of what really gets me excited about the future and what gets me out of bed every day is that mm -hmm. you know we're facing one of the most perplexing issues uh, right now in innovation, which is how do you get it to scale? Right. And 
to tell you that this was a problem when I was at CMMI. This was a problem when I was working in the hospitals. Um, and it was a problem when I was a consultant. I mean, this is invariably the largest barrier um, to, to system transformation that we face today is that you have these pockets of innovation. They're happening inside the hospital. They're happening outside the hospital. They're happening in partnership with the hospital. But I, but I can't tell you how many examples I really couldn't even count how many examples have really gotten to scale, right? Um, yet there's so many great examples that I could talk to you about in isolated communities or organizations, or even within an organization for that matter, that um, I'm, you know, you say to yourself, gosh, if everyone was doing this, it would totally change everything, right? <laughs> and so, so again, you know, here at the AHA, we're thinking about how do we use our convening power? to facilitate and catalyze innovation at scale, and most importantly, sustain it. And so this is something we're thinking about at the center uh, every day when it comes to our position as really as an ecosystem facilitator or leader. Um, and the premise being, if you have a, a platform for all the innovation happening in across hospitals and health systems, where you can share ideas, you know, start to craft new mental models and leadership paradigms and facilitate collaboration on on tools and frameworks around implementation, so on and so forth, you know, all focused on a singular shared purpose based on social impact, which in our case, by the way, is a society of healthy communities where all individuals reach their highest potential for health. Mm -hmm. then, then the theory is that maybe we can actually get somewhere um, and, and do it in a way that, that is scalable. And so um, what I'm talking about, this is, may sound um, sort of diffuse at, at this time, but, but I'll just point you to the, uh, to the example of Civica RX, mm -hmm. where you now have hundreds of health systems, but started off with four, that have come together around the age-old problem of drug costs, specifically generic drugs, many of which have been generic for years, if not decades. Yet what these health systems found at, um, last year was that there were all these generic drugs that were still in short supply, and they were way too high from a cost perspective. And there's no reason for that. Again, they're generic. So, so they formed this nonprofit um, with no equity. None of the health systems involved get equity in this company. It's a nonprofit with a governance model um, that is very open and transparent. And that basically says, no matter who you are, if you're in, you pay the same amount as everybody else. Doesn't matter who you are, how big you are, you pay the same amount as everybody else for these sometimes life-saving drugs. Mm. So imagine you bring together, again, there's hundreds of hospitals now that are involved in this and it's growing, where they say the only interest we have is around social impact. You know, and we're not gonna derive anything from this except the opportunity to provide low-cost drugs to our patients um, and ensure that there's an adequate supply when they need it the most. And so um, that is incredibly disruptive to mm -hmm. many parts of the of the health industry, and you know, congratulations to the to the to the to the systems and leaders that that came up with the idea because it's something that um, really allowed the, uh, the providers to take control of this issue um, as as active leaders and not just as as victims as passive victims. Right, that's the type of thing that as we think about disrupting the field potentially um, with, with innovations that will truly you know, change the paradigm. Those are the examples that we look to to say, you know, how can we convene and collaborate in ways around social impact that advance our vision and mission um, in ways that are unique to us, not competing, but collaborating. 
And right. I think that, um, you know, there's the real opportunity that gets me excited to come into work every day because uh, I think that's the secret sauce to what we've been missing around innovation. I love it. I love it, Andy. No, I appreciate you sharing your vision. I mean, it's one I absolutely believe in. I, I appreciate the examples as well. So you're, you're obviously doing it. It's in action. Uh, the tactics that you're doing really shape ourselves up to be focused in this value-based economy of where we're going. And it, it says a lot, I think, about your leadership and, and the new ways of thinking that you're ushering in and to do so in a harmonious manner uh, to help these hospitals and your, your clients um, and, and, and groups that you work with is really fascinating, really exciting. Um, so I just want to say a couple things. Thank you for you know coming on and peeling off time to do this, to do this episode, for sharing your story your work, your passion, and your vision for health in the future. And then my my last uh, question is, uh, what would be a good way to get in touch with you if our listeners would like to engage with you directly or on social media, uh, for you know either directly or through social media? Yeah, Anthony, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share that. Um, and, uh, you know, first want to thank you for, for the time to, to share our story. Uh, it's just really exciting that we're uh, – now almost a year in and, and starting to get the word out about what we're doing, which is uh, which is uh, obviously a very exciting time for us as we start to you know, round out our, our portfolio. But but uh, happy to uh, to be in touch with your listeners as we think about partnerships and and other opportunities uh, to advance our work. And so you can reach uh, uh, the center at www.aha.org backslash center mm -hmm. and uh, my email is ashin, that's A-S-H-I-N, like the bone in your leg, at aha.org. Uh, but Twitter is also an easy way to find me. You know, I don't tweet very much, but, I'm, but you know, give me a reason to do it and, I, and I'll do <laughs> it more. But it's um, Shinovation. So uh, that's like Shin and then Ovation. Got it. So uh, happy, to, happy to interact with, uh, you know, with all my tweets. Um, <laughs> uh, th thanks again. Yeah, Andy, this was great. Definitely, you know, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but I, again, you know, thank you for making time. Thank you for sharing your work. It's it's uh, phenomenal what you're doing, and it's exciting to see that you know there's there's purpose and passion behind what you're doing. But you're really implementing some really amazing programs and projects. So congratulations. Um, love to have you back as you roll out you know other projects and initiatives. But again, this was great, Andy, and thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. Andy. Okay. Thanks.